you don't make life choices where you live 50% because you're afraid of feeling the pain. You're afraid that you might feel, you might feel you're afraid to ever love again because you never want to get your heart broken again. You know, Mm. that's one way to live. You can have your heart broken and go through all that adversity and pain and grief and whatever those, you know, that sad, sad, hard time is. I mean, pain is pain, emotional pain, physical pain. pain. It's pain is really that we can live one way. We can have that event that says, I'm never going to love again because I never want to feel this amount of pain. So that's one thing. We can avoid the pain. But what are we, what are we, maybe we're sacrificing. We're sacrificing that feeling of love, of playing full on, of having that, you know, that type of maybe experience. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Today's guest has a powerful story. She's been through incredible adversity in her life to near-death experiences. And mostly what I found really inspiring was her perspective on what it all means. She is also a student of Dr. Joe Dispenza. So she, and plant medicine, she's done psychedelics. So we're on very same wavelength as far as how we believe in the healing process and how all of it works. We also get into things around um, trauma and people being addicted to trauma, being addicted to healing. So we unpack all of that. So what's really interesting is that, you know, she works in the world of money and helping people create more and, and the blocks around it. So the work, the conversation that we had really is going to help somebody that wants to be able to create more abundance in her life, in, in their lives. A little bit about her bio and what she's achieved right now, because I think it's really important to know, is that she is a real estate, a real estate mogul, a millionaire coach, and a creator of several multi-million dollar businesses, including Good Life Luxury, The Paperless Agent, and Wealthy Wealthy. She is an international speaker and the author of the Amazon bestseller, Falling for Money, which is a romance novel for your bank account. She is named one of the one of the 100 most influential real estate leaders in the country, speaking to the United States. She has been featured in USA Today as well as Apple, Con, Contact Actually, and Evernote for her creative leadership with emerging technologies. As said before, she's gone through a lot of adversities and I really wanted to unpack some of that because that's the root of it that's that's why i love i love learning about people because their stories are what bring them to where they are and and we had an amazing conversation and i had no idea that she worked with dr joe dispenza i had no idea about that and we talk about that how that happened and what happened in one of some of the retreats so you guys will get some insight into into all of that so if you guys are new to university of adversity Make sure you subscribe. If you're listening to this on Apple, Spotify, if you're on Spotify, hit that follow button. Apple, hit the subscribe button. And if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe and hit that uh, bell to stay notified. And because the show is free, we don't charge anything. There's no ads. All we ask is that either you leave us a review on Apple or share this with somebody that needs us. Tag us in a story, something like that. 
if you got value from this. This show has grown organically and it doesn't happen without you guys. So I appreciate you. And also we'll put all of uh, Christina's information in the show notes so you can follow her and check out her journey and what she's got to offer. So enjoy the show. Christina Wise coming right up. Here we go. Christina Wise, welcome to University of Adversity. Again, that's such a great name. Lots to live up to with that wise name. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> I can't say I have, but you know, I have my moments. Every once in a while, I have some wise moments here and there. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm really happy to have you on and to dive into your story and, you know, kind of just give people a new perspective. And this is what it's all about. And I talk to so many people around their stories of adversity and their perspective. So I'm looking forward to diving into yours. The first question to kind of kick things off is I like to ask some people, and that is, what does the word adversity mean to you? Ooh, I mean, that's a good question. I usually like looking words up when I don't know the exact definition. But it just, to me, it just means overcoming trials and tri- tribulations. You know, the adversities are challenge, you know, a challenge, unexpected, a hardship. Um, you know, when things are tough, uncomfortable, you know, whatever the case is. And, you know, to be able to overcome adversity just means the, really the ability to, you know, take on that challenge and get through it despite, you know, how bad it may or may not be. Yeah. It's always interesting to hear the answer for that because so many people have a different perspective on it. And uh, it's really, it's really, I think, the difference between how people move through life and how people get through these things is like how you look at this because it's coming no matter what, you know, and it's, and it's like, how do we deal with that thing? And some people would rather run away. Some people would rather retreat. And, you know, some people love to just step into it and lean into it, you know, and it's essential for growth. So it's, it's really interesting to hear different perspectives. Well, I would, I would say so much. It's, it is essential for growth, but I think taking it out even further, it's essential for success. Like if you're mm. going to succeed in life, like to, you know, to a level that many people want to succeed, you have to be able to take on adversity and, and be okay with it and, and get past it or do the work or whatever the case is. But, you know, I think that's one of the, you know, I've done a lot of studying of the most, some of the most successful people. I'm around a lot of successful people. I've, you know, I've had my own success. And one thing that's consistent through and through and through are those that I know through anecdotal life experience and that those I've seen and or interviewed, you know, my podcasts and those types of conversations. One thing that's com- the thread that's completely consistent in every single case is they're damn good at getting through adversity. So, you know, I think it's more than growth. Like, yeah, you can grow, but it's even the depth of the level of the adversity. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there's a spectrum of everything. So my definition for adversity or what I, the you know, the definition I give to that might be different than yours. You know, maybe yours is kind of a softball adversity. People can get dramatical. I mean, I find it fascinating today mm-hmm. that people get upset over the silly things they get upset with over, yeah. you know, I'm like, dude, you know, if you'd had any real adversity in your life, I would think that would be, that doesn't even, 
ripple the surface, you know? So mm. there's a, you know, there's certain words too with adversity, like grit, resiliency, you know, these different characteristics that build this amount of character that again, you know, I think go in with this, this word adversity. And when you're going to succeed at life at a high level, you're going to play big, you're going to play ball, you know, you're going after the majors, not the minors. Then I think that's the final piece to it. It's the real mindset. It's just a mindset. It's like, shit gets hard sometimes. Like that's yeah. just the way life is. So the better you can deal with that or, you know, or the, the network or resources, whatever you have, you know, the better off you're going to be in the long run. Mm. Well said. So the next question is kind of like a, it's kind of like a double question, but it's first of all, for those that, you know, getting to know you for the first time, walk us through, you know, a bit of your backstory and while doing that, if you can think of the biggest struggle or biggest challenge that you overcame that over that had the most impact on your life today, what would that be? Oh, Lance, I mean, there's been so many. I think that's a part of it too, is that trying to even isolate it to one adversity. I mean, there's certainly been some doozies, but I mean, adversity for me started at a very young age. You know, I mean, I was on my own by the time I was 13, 14. And, you know, to be able to deal with adversity at a certain level, even at that age, you know, I think looking back, I find it amazing what we're capable of at a young age. And, you know, so there's a certain level of survival skills or mm. things that can be acquired. And, you know, on one hand, when I look back to some of my early beginnings, I don't think, you know, <laughs> in an ideal world, no kids should have to deal with that amount of trauma and adversity. On the other hand, it really shaped me that there's very, again, from a young age, that there's very little that I don't think I can make it through, you know, like it's just, you just kind of <laughs> the street skills in a way, mm. but, you know, so, you know, that was at a young age and that's certainly developed going into adulthood, you know, probably, you know, one of, one of my worst adversities, which people that, you know, follow me know it's a big part of my story is that I had a near death experience a handful of years ago, you know, and just the fighting for life, the adversity of, um, just that life challenge and how scary it is and, and facing life or death and having to make big changes and, and, you know, just completely changed my life perspective and, and, you know, deal with a lot of regrets and remorse and other things that, you know, I, I was left feeling when I was in that situation that had to be processed. But I would say that one, that one was the scariest for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it, of course it, it all. There's all these different moments that make up who we are, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason that question I ask is because I just feel like there's that one that we're like, "Whoa, that was big," and you know that we were forced to really learn and grow from. And after that, things never really seem as challenging, right? It's like. You're, and that's what you said earlier. It's like the people that are very successful are able to see these things as, you know, they're, it's key to success. And each thing you overcome, the things that used to bother you aren't a big deal anymore, right? And, and some people get so bent out of shape about the smallest things. And I think most people, when they look back at their life, a lot of people were probably like that at one point, but it takes a real like 
a real tough situation for you to have that perspective. And I find most people will have, you know, one or a few of those that'll really, you know, one of those defining moments that really allowed them to think differently. Yeah. And because, you know, one of my favorite quotes, I need to find, I quote it all the time. I don't even know who said it. I should probably find that out. But it says that change never happens until there's a crisis. And there's so much truth to that is that it takes a big crisis, if you will, like a big doozy to use your words, to wake us up. And that's, that's kind of, that's the beauty of these challenges is that, you know, some people stay asleep, they go right back. You know, there are a lot of people, let's say, have health situations like I did. And let's say they had a heart attack because, you know, they smoke and drink and ate bad food and, you know, they stop for a while, then they go right back to the same thing. Like it, it didn't really change their life. You know, they mm. just maybe got their surgeries and went back to it. And there's no judgment to that. It doesn't mean it's a, it's a good or bad thing, but others might have a heart attack and they radically change everything. Like, holy shit, I didn't know that this lifestyle and my drinking and this eating this food made me unhealthy and caused this situation. I, I want to change. And they use that to radically change their lives, you know, and they almost mm. become a different human as a result of that experience. So it's certainly these types of situations can be wake up calls and can give us a different point of view that we weren't just really paying attention to. Maybe we're blind or, you know, whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a, I'm kind of a money teacher and money coach. And so I work with people all the time that they finally come to me when they've had a big money crisis, either, you know, there's been a divorce and left with nothing, or there's been a bankruptcy or, you know, they're working their ass off and, you know, they just find them situations and a lot of kind of just fear and, and angst and conflict. And, you know, something happens, COVID happens and all of a sudden, you know, they're, in, they're in crisis mode because they hadn't really been taking care of things. So the point is in all different categories of life, these situations can cause us to wake up and pay attention. And, um, and hopefully they do. It doesn't mean uh, like if I look at my some of my own um, adversities, if you will, and there's been plenty. Every one of them, like you said, has there been a doozy? I've had lots of wake-up calls. I had a wake-up call when it came to money. I had a wake-up call when it came to health. I had a wake-up call when it came to relationships. Like I've failed miserably in all three of those categories. But it's those huge... um, breakdowns in each of those areas, you know, that woke me up to want to be different and to change, you know, to change my money situation. So I learned about it to, you know, because it was so painful being a single mom and broke and in debt and, and, you know, couldn't feed my children and couldn't put a roof over her head and, and being bankrupt. And, you know, that, that finding myself in that situation where I couldn't feed my children and scared to death and having no way out, like, you know, just, didn't even know what to do and, and being scared and, and not knowing the next step to take, you know, that took, that sent me on the trajectory to want to learn about money, to never be in that situation again. But it was so scary, so painful. I'd had my, my first panic attack and I didn't even know what a panic attack was. Like it oh, was scary. scary. It was just overwhelming. And, you know, that amount of overwhelm and sadness and fear and, you know, just beating myself up and how do I wind up here? And just all those feelings were horrible, like horrible. Mm. So much sadness, so much grief, so much anger. Like, and it la- it's, it felt like it's going to last forever, right? And, it, yeah. you know, so that's that. And then, you know, 
let's just take like end of relationship divorce and not thinking I'd wind up there and just the, again, just the amount of grief and anger and remorse. I wish I could have done things differently and, you know, just, and not sure how I could make it. My heart was broken and, you know, and it just, it was horrible. I didn't know if I could make it through it. Right. Cause it just seemed like it was going to last forever. And then you get through it and, you know, so same thing, kind of my near death experience, if you will. So my point of saying that is that sometimes when they're, when we're in these situations, they feel like they're going to last forever. Mm. Even if you've been through several, it doesn't mean they're any easier. It doesn't mean the pain is any less. You're just not afraid of it anymore. You're, you don't, well, not, you don't make life choices where you live 50% because you're afraid of feeling the pain. You're afraid that you might feel, you might feel you're afraid to ever love again because you never want to get your heart broken again. You know, mm. that's one way to live. You can have your heart broken and go through all that adversity and pain and grief and whatever those, you know, that sad, sad, hard time is. I mean, pain is pain, emotional pain, physical pain. pain it's pain is really that yeah. so we can live one way. We can have that event that says, I'm never going to love again because I never want to feel this amount of pain. So that's one thing. We can avoid the pain. But what are we, what are we, maybe we're sacrificing. We're sacrificing that feeling of love, of playing full on, of having that, you know, that type of maybe experience. Hmm. So now what comes with that maybe might mean another heartbreak, right? But do we want to shut off the love to avoid the potential heartbreak? Or do we want to be willing to maybe have a heartbreak to be able to feel love full on? Mm. And that's the choice that I think adversity offers us. And, you know, some people go one way and other people go a lot the other way. And But the point is that sometimes we have this life event that can wake us up. Other times we have had maybe a life event or not, but we're afraid of failing or afraid of feeling pain that keeps us from starting the new business because we're afraid of failure or getting, finding the new love because we're afraid of a heartbreak or, you know, um, whatever else that might be these choices that, that we're retreating from just because we have the fear of failing and feeling pain. Mm. Yeah. So many people would rather close their heart than keep it open. That's really the difference is like when your heart is open, you open yourself to all possibilities. Mm -hmm. When you close your heart, you're literally just blocking everything. It is. And it's spiritual laws these days. Like, mm. you know, one of my favorite books, um, just such a profound book. I love the way he wrote it. And it was, it's Untethered Soul by oh. Michael Amazing. You know, just such a great book, right? And that's really what the whole gist of the book is. Mm. I mean, would you agree, Lance? Yeah. yeah. You close your heart and what's the point? You know, the yeah. only way to to really live this life in the spiritual, most abundant, awesome place is you have to open your heart. You know, you have to. Yeah. That's like the simplest way to look at it too. Like I just got back from a week long with Dr. Joe Dispenza. In Denver. Hey, I was there. Were you in, were you in Denver? I just went were to you Cancun. There? Were I you was there? in Denver. I was, oh. in, I was in Cancun. Oh, cool. Yeah. You talked about the Cancun one a lot. I was there. And I mean, that's the same thing, right? Like, I mean, that, I mean, the fact that you, you know what I'm talking about, it's like sometimes hard to articulate the power of being there and seeing what actually heart opening means, heart and brain coherence. Like trying to explain it is just like, you know, seeing that was something that, you cannot get from just watching his podcast. Like it was right, just right. literally seeing people heal, like walking for the first time out of their wheelchair. Like 
that was so profound. Like my heart hasn't been that open, I don't think, in a long time. And I'm able to open my heart, but that was like a level of showing me what's possible. And you know what I mean if you were there. Like it's it's unbelievable. Explain a little bit for for people listening, because people have been hearing me talk about it, what your experience was like there with that. Yeah, well, that was my first Joe Dispenza event. I mean, I've been following him for years, but I'd never gone to one of his his retreats and yeah, you were just in Denver. I was I was the one before it in Cancun. There's another, there's an advance coming up that I, in, I think the sign-up date's coming up. <clears throat> Denver, yeah, it's back in Denver at the end. Back in Denver, that's right. I think it's in Denver. So I'm like, I hope I get in it. But I mean, to me, what's it's even like in the context of this conversation, and I'm just really just kind of reflecting and thinking out loud, is that... You know, if I just, you know, behind closed doors in my own meditations or my own kind of private space, I can, what I believe to be true about myself is that I've had some of the most painful life experiences, painful, um, traumatic, painful, painful, painful life events. And, and that I even believe for me could have closed my heart and, and shut me down. And we all have these life experiences. On the other hand, I've had the most profound, awesome experiences in life where I pinched myself thinking, how the hell did this girl who started in a trailer home, you know, in the middle of a small potent town in the middle of nowhere, how did she wind up here? You know, like it blows my mind so many of these experiences that I've had. And I almost think, and I've been told, so, you know, I've read it and been told if this is true. But it's almost like we can only experience the amount of love to a certain degree as the pendulum swings on the other side as the amount of pain. So I've wanted that for myself, for example, is that I wonder if I can found, feel this amount of immense joy and love and gratitude because I know I, mm. I know like an equal amount on the other side. Because it again, like hard wide open, like holy shit, anybody that doesn't love full on they're missing fucking life because yeah. it's magical. And that's just, and then you go to Joe Dispenza and you experience at a whole different vibrational place that you don't even know exists until you go into that journey. And then your heart's just more open and you see you even have more access and we just limit ourselves with our mindsets and our beliefs and our past and our traumas and our stories and our narratives and our victimization and fill in the blank when there's just all this awesomeness that's so available. But again, you can't be afraid to fail. You can't be afraid of adversity. You can't just be bitching about, you know, traffic every day if you're going to really get into that type of heart space. But I mean, Joe Dispenza just blew my world of what's possible, right? I'm just like... I mean, you, and you can't put it into words. It's one of those things that, you know, I had friends who went to Joe Dispenza for years, even though, you know, I'm a, I'm a regular meditator and my spiritual, my spiritual practices are very important to me. You know, I thought I would kind of get it and I'd read his books and done different things. And, you know, but my friends try to explain it to me that are big Dispenza followers. And then it's like, oh shoot, there's no way to put this into words. It is experiential only. And I would, you know, all the weird things too, right? That walk doing the walking meditations, and it's like, you know, a, um, I don't know, like my body's been taken over by, you know, <laughs> you oh. know, 
yeah. another entity or something. I'm like, this is the most bizarre thing ever. I can't explain it. But I think everybody should go to Joe Dispenza or at least read his books, right? And read Untethered Soul. Yeah. It's so funny you bring up Untethered Soul because that is the book that the closest thing that I have read that is exact. Like when I was doing Joe's work, I was like, this is like the Untethered Soul. That's what I've been saying as like the book that can kind of explain that without explaining Joe Dispenza, you know, like the idea of it at the simplest core, like someone asked him, what's your takeaway? I'm like, the takeaway at the simplest level would be how important opening our heart is and learning that that is essential to opening yourself up to all possibilities. If you don't, you're literally closing yourself. And like, that is the simplest way to look at it. And, you know, talking about that walking meditation specifically for all you guys listening, like, you know, we would stand there and we would do this meditation and we'd get into the zone and then he'd just be like, walk. And like, I get goosebumps thinking about it because like you would start walking and you were that person. And I mean, we didn't get to experience it in Cancun on the beach. Like you guys, everybody was talking about that. We were, you know, in a field in Denver, but you know, you just got to make that your reality. And I, both, both of the walks, two of the walks, I started crying because I couldn't help, but while I was on my path to see these people getting out of their wheelchairs, like it, bring, it, it brought me so much emotion that I was just like, this is fucking crazy. Like, I am just like, like, I have no words for this. Like I, it was like part of my, it was part of my, my, my walk it was what I needed to see. Like I needed to see these people like holding their crutches up to the sun. And like, I was just like, what, what is going on? And like, I just realized like the possibilities that we have within us and the stories are all bullshit about how we aren't resilient and how we're weak and how we need everything outside of us to give us the wholeness. It's all bullshit to sell us stuff. It's all bullshit. It's like, the stories, like we can just relive that over and over again, or we create these new ones. And to see the proof, to see the science, the data, study after study after study after study, it's like, okay, I get it. Like it was literally what I needed to see to open my heart. I didn't have a crazy deep meditation. Like I, you know, I didn't really cross over as much as some, you know, the, the, the arousal where people were like, you know, screaming and all that, which, which happened. But like, I believe that that the feeling of knowing how important the heart opening is and from doing psychedelics and ayahuasca as well. It was like a perfect combination now for me to know what is possible. Right. Well, like that's what, that's what I loved about just Joe Dispenza is I've mentioned that to others is, you know, having done ayahuasca and, and a few other plant medicine journeys, you know, um, is part of my spiritual journey. And uh, what I found amazing is that pretty much the same thing was accessible just through Joe's type of meditation. You know, I couldn't mm. get all the way, but pretty damn close, you know, uh, yeah. 5-MeO-DMT. I mean, I just got to similar spaces and just said, oh, my same. God, you can totally get here without any drug. So that was I had a similar experience. And but same type of heart opening feeling and just this expansive awareness that that unless you have this type of experience, we it's, I don't know. I just think nobody has any idea of how limited our thinking is, is how limited our love is, is how limited we live our lives because we just don't know that there's a whole different realm of accessibility at the end of the day. 
that just gets us to the place of being able to love more. Yeah. Right? That's why we're here. I think that's what, you know, and that's what adversity can rob us of is that pain and just life is hard. And the, again, the people that are successful, they just keep going anyway. Like they, you know what I mean? You just mm. keep going. Like life can be, life can be a bitch, you know? Yeah. Um, um, but that's just it. We just, even using that as opportunities to, to love more versus being closed off more, victimized more, or shut down more, or angry more, or ungrateful, you know, like all those things we've talked about. Mm. If we can really understand that even the adversities are these opportunities to love more and use them as an opportunity to use that pain to be able to maybe get to deeper, like I said, from my own personal experience, to get to deeper levels of being able to love. But that's what we're missing. People are going through the routines and their, you know, drama, you know, or, you know, or just their patterns and many times just sleeping awake, that type of thing, going through, playing it really safe and, you know, being very comfortable and convenient. Again, nothing wrong with that. But I think if people realized what they're missing in the sense of love is why we're here, Mm. you can love just to the depths of like the bottom of your stomach inside out and say, I love you and feel love and feel love for others, gratitude just for the magic that's everywhere, you know, just by going for a walk and getting outside and getting outside of the sleepwalking. But again, it's kind of, it's, it's full on. There's, there's not kind of, you can't experience that and just give halfway. Like you have to love fully first before you're going to be able to kind of get the, Mm. the reciprocal response to that versus like, no, if I get it first, then maybe I'll, you know, then I'll open up a little bit more, love a little bit more. But again, I just don't, you can't play safe and really experience life at at its fullest. Yeah. And you brought up a good point earlier about, you know, the, the depth of your pain can be the depth of the love that you can actually feel because, you know, I, I really think that because there's, I've also, there's been some like dark, deep pain, but also that feeling and knowing that I can experience that means that I can experience the love too. And that's a beautiful way to look at it because if you don't experience any pain and it just becomes this like vanilla, like life, you're just, it's not, you don't feel the spectrum, the polarities, the polarities where make life worth living. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, you may feel shitty and it may be challenging, but you're right. The successful people, they look at it. I've talked to people and they're like, it's like a game to them. It's like, Oh, it's just part of it. Some people are like, I don't see adversity as anything. I just see it as a game. Like, you know, I was on, um, I don't know if you know, Brad Lee, but I was on his podcast. He's coming on. He's like, I don't see like, they're just, I don't see it like that. It's like a game to me. It's like, I, I like it because I know, I can like play with this and like, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me because that's really what happens is that, you know, as you've experienced that pain, you know, that it's your only, it's, you know, what you're capable of and you know how to love. So like these problems don't, they just become part of it because like, if you know, you were like, especially after Dispenza too, it's like, you know, you're creating at that level, but into step into your, you know, intuition and and manifest that it's not always going to be just because something comes at you and it doesn't feel good doesn't mean it's not for you it's just part of it because on the other side of that is you know something amazing so you're still going to have to even if you're calling in this kind of this amazing life you know creating up in the 5d and it manifesting down here that still means you're still going to have to go through challenges 
But it's like, if you know that the bigger picture is that that's part of it, then it's like, oh, this is just a thing in the way, you know, this is just part of the dance. I think to that point, I mean, that, you know, if we just use the word success, whatever that definition is, but, you know, and then we learned that, you know, mindset's everything and mindset's just the filter through which we believe things Mm. true. And therefore, you know, that's, that's how we, we be, you know, I think Jim Quick said it best that behaviors follow beliefs. And so our mindsets and beliefs determine our behavior. So the part of the mindset, I think, for those, let's say, most successful, if you will, uh, with what we're talking about, is adversities are expected. You know what I mean? That You're not waiting around for the next one. You're not making decisions based on whether or not they're going to happen. It's not a poor me when they do. It's just an understanding that, man, life is one big challenge, you know, and and it has ups and downs. It has high moments. It has low moments. We've all gone through darkness, you know, and had to go through for the, you know, most of us have had to go through at least one life event that took us to our knees, but that's life, you know? I mean, so I think that's the difference maybe is that there's, there's maybe, I don't, maybe it's a majority minority. It doesn't matter, but it's just a point of view and a mindset that, the next adversity is going to hit when it hits, but I'm not living my life waiting for it to happen. And I'm not waiting my life thinking it's another one's never going to happen. It's just, that's life, you know, and when certain adversities or challenges hit, you deal with it and you're not surprised. Um, sometimes they can suck and they're real bummer, but it's not like, Oh my God, you know, mm. woe is me. And life is, you know, X, Y, Z. It's just like, all right, how are we going to get through this one? It's, it's, I think it's just a different way of navigating through life. What are your thoughts on trauma and in your own life and how have you navigated that? Because obviously you've gone through some difficult times, right? And I'm always curious because, you know, really getting through that trauma is such an important thing too, right? And those emotions get stuck. And I love that you've done a lot of the work and, you know, as far as like psychedelics and Joe Dispenza, but how has been dealing with those traumas and those moments and those emotions that come up been for you? And how have you navigated that? You know, that's a big question right now. You know, uh, it's probably a, we could have a whole different conversation on that. You know, on one hand, I, I like to just be an observer and kind of stand back and, and watch kind of the world that I, you know, that I'm, I'm, looking at what's going to happen, what's happening and kind of just form my own opinions. And, you know, there's a lot of talk around trauma these days. It tends to be kind of the word of the day or the word of the month or the word of the year. And, and so trauma, this trauma, that. So to answer your question, again, from just my own personal perspective and the own work that I've done, you know, that's, um, that's gotten me to where I am today is on one hand, trauma is real. Like those things do get embedded. And if we, you know, for a good portion of my life is I just pushed it down. I didn't even really believe in anything. I pushed it down. I didn't deal with some pretty horrific events that had happened, especially at a young age. And my way of my coping mechanism was, was success. And so I went on and I think that can be many of those kind of behind uber successful people, 
many times can be a lot of trauma because it's a way of, hey, if I just, I can ignore it and I never have to deal with it. And it appears like I don't have to because I'm so successful, right? You know, they take that one and they, they, they take that trauma and they literally use it as like a a force. Yeah. But unconsciously or subconsciously, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a, a conscious decision. It's just kind of how it's, it's, a it's avoided or ignored. And it, the thing about success, you know, I, what I found is, you know, even my brother went alcoholism and I went perfectionism, successfulism, you know, I mean, kind yeah. of two different ways of dealing with that. Well, one, his, he caused all, he wreaked all sorts of havoc on his life from some of those traumas and mine looked really healthy, right? I looked like I was unscathed by some of the stuff, but, you know, ultimately caught up with me, but it was, you know, it was just a different way to cope, which looked to be healthy at the time. And I didn't even think I needed any type of help. So that worked until it didn't work anymore. So my own personal experience was that when uh, my body gave up, gave up physically, when I was dying physically, I my my core resiliency and strength and headstrongness and survivalness about me, it it I I wasn't so strong that all that emotional stuff surfacing was surfacing as well. So it finally surfaced once it got a little crack in the armor and found it started finding its way out. Mm. So what I realized is I was forced to deal with it, you know, um, against my will. I didn't want to, but I had to because it was just so dark and ugly and scary. And, and um, so from, again, to answer that question, what I believe to be true from my own personal experience is that trauma does need to be dealt with that, you know, if it's, and however you deal with it, some people do plant medicine, some people do therapy, some people, whatever, there's different methodologies, yeah. a combination of all of the above. And, you know, and there's lots of different tools these days. And that's why I do like plant medicines because I think these plant medicines can be really, really helpful tools in helping people process these things that otherwise are kind of having these negative effects on their life. So that's one side. On the other side, what I've seen, kind of I said, kind of when I see kind of this sketch of what appears going on, I think people then can get stuck in talking about their trauma. Then it's all about their trauma and all about their story and all about the work they're doing. Then they're going to the next plant medicine and the next plant medicine, the next plant medicine. And now this is a whole new thing about how many plant medicine journeys you're going to go up, go up to deal with it. So it's a different type of stuckness. It's like, is it really being processed? Do you need that many type of plant medicine journeys? Maybe, I don't know. But the point is, I think it just can become another narrative and, and another stuckness as opposed to, I believe it can be processed. It can be handled. You handle the piece. Hopefully it's handled. Maybe it'll rear its ugly head again in the future, which means there's more work to be done. Mm. But you don't need to do the work until you need to do the work, right? Unless it's negatively affecting your life. So that's that would be that piece. For me, plant medicine, I didn't go plant medicine to really heal trauma. For me, plant medicine has been more of a more of a spiritual connection because mm. what came out of my dear death my near-death experience was I just wanted to love. I just wanted to not miss, you know, the nectar of life. I wanted to be closer to spirit. I wanted to see what was possible, you know, and in, in the time that we're here. So my journeys have more been more geared towards heart opening than it has trauma processing. And mm. but I think they can serve both, you know, very well. Mm. That's beautifully said. And I, I really couldn't agree with you more on that because I feel like 
I've said this exact thing too around this is like, how addicted do people get to the story of the victim of their trauma? It's like, or trying to heal something else or something else. It's like, all right, I get it. And there's a fine line between going and doing plant medicine. And you're right. Like, okay, ayahuasca gives you homework, right? You get the homework. If you don't do the homework, then I don't believe you should be going back. Like, Take what you've got, integrate it, get a community, talk about it. Things are really squirrely and wild. Sometimes you want to process that with people, fine. But until you until you take the homework, those are the answers for now. Like, oh, what are you gonna do? You're gonna, you're not okay with those answers, you're gonna go seek more. That's where people get messed up, is they do too much and it's they can't, they can't integrate it. And then they're lost in the, they're lost out in the astral because they don't, they don't know what's what. And I believe if you're really methodical about it and you go there and you get, you know, once a year, I think going to do an ayahuasca once a year is, is, is great. You know, like I plan on probably going in January to go back to Saltara and do it because I feel like that's a whole year of judgment from the whatever, however you want to look at it. Like, did I, did I do my homework this year? And I think a lot of people miss that point is that if you can't do what's been given to you, then like, what answers are you seeking? And then to your other point, it's like, why are we doing all this healing when it's not, if it's not, it, there's a certain amount of healing if it's affecting your life. It's like, okay, do that. But people get addicted to finding more almost. It's like, well, I got to heal that generational trauma and that one and that one and that one. And I guess if that's your calling, great. But it's like, there's a point where I've been curious and you brought up a point that I completely, I ask all the time. I'm like, what is that? Why, like, why do we want to seek more of it? <laughs> why do we want to seek more trauma, more healing that we don't even know? Because it could literally go on forever. You could spend your entire life doing it, right? Like, you know, and I agree. And so, and then that becomes, that becomes the focus, right? It's like, yeah. everything's about that. The focus isn't about love. It's not about awareness. It's like bigger awareness and accessibility. It's not about 5D and having this experience. It's not about waking up every day. Like, how am I more grateful? How do I love more? Like, how do I impact more people? You know, that's my focus. You know, how do I create more, you know, this podcast that can help people open their, you know, wake or wake up or whatever the case is, you know, so when that becomes a focus, when the focus is on the, the vibrational intention, like live life, love life, do my best work, be successful, make enough money, you know, that supports my, my dreams and figuring out how to do that. You have my relationships, my mother have, you know, all yeah. these things, like what I call, I call it lifestyle architecture. And it's being able to visualize what a good life is, but emotionally connect to it too. And then every day is the journey of that creation. So in the journey of your day-to-day -day life is the creation of your overall life experience that you want to feel, you know, then that's the goal. Like that's the focus. That's what we wake up doing. And when we're emotionally connected to that through emotions, like feelings and desires, that's why I think we all would believe now. That's why, gra that's why meditation is such a good practice. Mm. Because it just allows us to step out of our, you know, pattern mind 
when we have especially gratitude practices, it really helps us to connect with what's right as opposed to focused on what's wrong. And that's why these practices are important because it's really easy to kind of be pulled and sucked into kind of the day-to-day nonsense. Mm. But when we have these practices that allow us to pull out, then we can catch ourselves. Well, how silly that I got upset that three dishes were left in the sink last night, you know, or whatever, um, when I can be grateful for all these other things. But when that, when, when our focus is on creating, we're the creators. That's what Joe teaches. That's why I love you are the creator. I'm the creator. You're the creator yeah. of your life. I'm the creator of my life. We're creators. Yeah. And we know the life we want to create. And we're emotionally attached to that. And that's where Joe's work is so profound because I think part of that is you can probably be the creator of the life that you want much quicker if you access these different things, right? Because he's all in love. He's not about being stuck in trauma. So I'll complete by saying that then sometimes that life happens, that something's in the way between where we are today and being able to be the creator. Like something keeps, the same breakdown keeps happening or something just keeps happening it's like this hurdle that's between me and whatever I want on the other side of that. So that's saying, I've got some work to do. There's something right here that's in my way, mm. you know, because I'm kind of reaching this next level of work on what, what I want to create next. So what, you know, so that's for me, that's where to go do the work. Like, what's this? Like, yeah. I need to some digging here. I need to create some awareness where I've got a blind spot. I keep having the same recurrent breakdown. So who do I know? Or what's a coach or therapist or a a shaman or whoever that can really help me identify what's between me right now and this next place I want to create for myself? Do that. You can do it within a short amount of time from my personal experience by being focused on just this one thing for the sake of getting to the other side as fucking quickly as possible. Yeah. Now you can't make it happen any faster than it's going to happen. There's no shortcuts on their hand. It doesn't have to be two year. Why make it a two year drawn out event if you can knock this out in three months, right? Like totally. do the heavy lifting in three months, but get it done, obliterate it. Now you're on this other side. Now I'm the creator again. Now I'm in all this stuff. And now I've got, I'm creating this next level of life experience and feeling and and knowing what I want to kind of create for myself and the experience next. Do that until you kind of hit the next roadblock. And the roadblock to me is the sign that's saying, hey, you've got some work to do. But my point is that, that the focus is the life is good and all these things. The focus isn't the trauma. The dealing with the trauma is just something that you do so that you can get back to focus mm. as quickly as possible. But yeah, to your point, like now it's just like, and everybody's, you know, kind of the whole, I don't know, narrative these days is tell your trauma and tell your life story and tell all these bad things that have happened to you, which granted, you know, telling these can be great because it can help others who are going through adversity have inspiration that somebody else has gotten through this. Maybe Mm. I can too, but that's the reason it's not to dirt, you know, air our dirty laundry on everyone, you know? Uh, So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot mixed into all of this, but at the end of the day, deal with what you need to deal with to be able to bust through so that you can get to the place of fulfillment as quickly as possible. Yeah. And what I take from what you said there is is bang on. And I say this too a lot. And I, I even talk to myself about this stuff is like, yeah, like when I sharing is so important for the healing, but then at the same time giving permission to others to do it. But then there's a point where it's like, okay, 
I've been able to, and this is when you do like, you know, shadow work and that kind of thing, you give it space, but then it's time to move on. It's not your whole life doesn't become a shadow work experience and right. talking, but it's like I share and like we have, you know, that's why I love this show about having the people on we share and then, but my goal is to like get people to feel that, but then we're on an upward, like there's always a, a an empowerment at the end of it. It's not to like, the problem is I think was when people come from a place of fear and they talk about things and then it's like you're left feeling in that like gross, like, oh, I feel bad kind of thing. And people get stuck there. I think if we can like go deep, but then take people on a journey out of it to at least give them empowerment and tools, that's what it's about. I think like, but a lot of people can get really addicted to just being into that, 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 that darkness all the time. And, you know, the personal development world can kind of prey on that a little bit as like being broken. But I believe it's, it's good to feel the stuff, just like Dr. Joe says, like, you got to go through it, sit through it, but your focus should be love. Right. And, you know, I, I believe that when you, you give it space and you give yourself love that eventually works its way through, but you're right. It, it's not something you want to sit and to constantly dwell on all day, all the time, because you're not going to become the match frequency that you want to get. Right. And that's the next thing I want to talk to you about is like the frequency match to abundance. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And what you said is even broken. It's that it's like, okay, when I fix myself, then I can be, fulfilled, happy, all these, you know, things. And nobody's broken. We have things we need to heal or the, you know, because it's psychological, these things are real and they're healable, right? They're all mm. healable. Like we break a bone, it sucks for six weeks. The bone has to grow back and then it's healed. And now you can use, you know, and, it, and the bone even becomes stronger once it heals. So we can become stronger when we heal, but we can't, it's going to take six weeks. We can't do it into two weeks. It's going to take a certain amount of time, but nobody's broken. We can't fix ourselves to the point. It's just like, mm. no, like I said, some, something just reared its ugly head. That's kind of in my way. And that's my signal that I need to go work on something as opposed to making it you know, I'm just one big broken person and I can't succeed in life till I fix myself. It's like, no, you can yeah, totally. relax and still go be uber successful. And then you totally. work on the next thing when it presents itself. What's the biggest myth when it comes to entrepreneurship and money that you see? Oh, that's such an easy one. Uh, Cause I say it all the time. The biggest, the biggest myth with entrepreneurship and money is entrepreneurs believe kind of the two prong part of this is the answer to all my money problems is to make more money. And so they entrepreneurs getting stuck in this trap of working harder, working harder, working harder, thinking hard work is connected to the money. It's like 30, 3D, right? Yeah. And wealth is completely separate from hard work. In fact, the more wealth you have, the less hard you work because your assets, your money does the hard work so that you don't have to. So that's the biggest, one of the biggest entrepreneurial myths. And kind of the, the corollary to that is what I call high, high income earners. And so the danger is, is for those who were making a pretty high income is, is relatively easy. <laughs> then the, the, the mindset in addition to that is that, oh, there's more, there's more money where that came from. So I don't have to worry about money because I'll just go what I call the easy button. I'll just go do the next launch or I'll go do the next X, Y, Z and I'll make a bunch of money again. But that, that, that narrative and mindset 
keeps people what I call in on the hamster wheel because, you know, high income earners, there's truth to that. You know, we as high income earners, the different mindset about money, what I find about high income earners, the mindset around money is money's easy to make. So that's super cool, right? There's a lot of those, a lot of the population has a mindset that making money is hard, making a lot of money is hard. So kind of two different mindsets, if you will. But in the category of high income earners, I know my mindset is like money's so easy to make, <laughs> you know, money's, money's like the easiest thing. Money's the easiest thing. It's far easier than mastering relationships. It's far easier than figuring out this health stuff. Like money's so easy. Why people avoid it? You know, if they knew it was this easy, they would want to choose to love and embrace it in this context of, of high vibrational love. But, um, but the problem with high income earners is that they rob themselves of wealth because they believe they can just go live, spend all their money and live these kind of high income earner lifestyles. And if they get in a crunch, they'll just go make more money. And so what that means is they're not taking a portion of their money to start investing and to buy assets so they can, over time, depend on their money making money and not depend on their ability to easily make money to make money. And mm -hmm. it can be, you know, it can get really blurry there for high income earners and entrepreneurs. Mm. Yeah. Like how do you, and then how do you combine, you know, what you're learning with like stuff like Dr. Joe Dispenza into like the mindsets of people and like, how do, how does, do you have your own method? Do you have your own way of sort of like, you know, helping condition people to understand this stuff? You know, combining that with like, you know, the spiritual, you know, creation process of things. I don't know if I necessarily understand the question. All I can say is that. Like you meaning like, okay, so, you know, you, you have entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs and, and high income earners, a lot of them, well, at least traditionally don't have the tools that Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about. A lot of them. A lot of the old school way is like, go, 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 make your money, whatever else. I'm not sure who, who you work with as far as that, but I'm just saying like traditionally, and if you're trying to like articulate to somebody that, wait a minute, this is, this is kind of the better way to do it, right? To like, as far, instead of grinding versus like being able to spiritually tap into a different energy to match that frequency, as far as like getting to what you want versus the other way. Does that make, does that make sense? Like trying yeah. to convince or trying to like educate people on that in general, that may have that old school mentality. Yeah. I'd like to say just with everything that I read and do, including let's say Joe Dispenza, what happens is that I come out a changed person on the other side of these. So the way that I teach and what I say changes with me because I'm changed. So as my, as I evolve, that's what evolution is, meaning a caterpillar evolves into a butterfly. A butterfly is no longer a caterpillar, right? It's evolved into a different being. It, it goes from crawling to flying. Like it can't, it just can't proclaim being a caterpillar anymore. So that's the same for all of us. But for me, as I continue to evolve from, you know, Christina 2020 to Christina 2021, everything that I do is different than 2020 because I'm different, right? Mm. There's a piece of me that's the same, 
but there's a lot of me that's different. So I can't be anything that I'm not anymore. I can. So what that means is every time, even though, you know, my money school and my products and programs are the same, it sounds a lot like, so if you hear me teach it today and some of the words I would say, as opposed to the same class a year ago, you're going to hear an evolution of me using words like collapsing time. I didn't have, I didn't know what collapse, collapsing time was until Joe Dispenza, for example. That was huge. You mean, because I was really in, you, you know, the, you start at point A, you get to point B, and then, you know, take time. It takes whatever time that it takes, six months, 12 months, 24 months to get from A to B, which is kind of, you know, a typical time frame. And I've pretty much lived in that. I've been able to do things relatively quickly, I think. But I'm just like, I'm like, oh, I can get there like in a matter of minutes, you know, <laughs> like, I don't, you know, so yeah. something like that, I can't say that I understand that enough to be able to to teach it, but I believe to be that true now. So that type of concept will come in through the spiritual of my work that even though what I teach is very practical, it's mm-hmm. money, it's practical, it's pragmatic. I teach it, the applicability of it in the most practical sense but everything that I now teach is is over the spiritual principles underneath. Mm. I'm not speaking the spiritual principles because who am I to speak speak spiritual principles? But I under I I have used those spirituals now to write the work that's on top of it. That even though people are practically learning the things that I teach, what they may or may not understand, it's it's all spiritual code just it's just in the manifestation of money i love that i love how you're willing to adapt as you grow as you learn you know the things change and that's important a lot of people don't people get stuck in their old ideologies the way they think and they refuse to change because whatever reasons and you see that a lot and you know especially when it comes in the health and wellness space and people get stuck in their old ideas but that's great i mean that's really serving people is like as you learn you evolve right Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Where can we find you? Where can people learn more about you and uh, check out more of your work? Well, we didn't talk much about money, which is awesome. That's usually what I talk about. But anybody that's interested in, in money, uh, I have a money school. It's called SovereigntyAcademy.com. So that's a great place to, if uh, one of those wake up calls is you know, adversity, if money is some adversity right now, then that's what I do is I, I teach. I'm a, I'm a teacher when it comes to money and teach people how to change their mindset and how to have a, create a whole different abundant financial system for themselves. And then I have a podcast just called Wealthy Wealthy, where we have conversations about money, health, and love. And, you know, just keep kind of go deep on those three things. And then if anybody just wants a free copy of my book, it's fallingformoney.com. Amazing. Well, I'm, I'm super grateful to have this conversation. And I think, you know, what we talked about really leads into people being able to step into that abundance. Right. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's interesting too, that you, I didn't know about Joe Dispenza and that's kind of, <laughs> it's amazing because, you know, it's uh, this, what a small world, but it's beautiful. Thank you so much. And thank goodness for Joe Dispenza that he's yeah. what a gift, right? I mean, what a gift and what he's even up through all those medica- med- medications, meditations, yeah. all those meditations. I thought he is leading every one of those. Like what a gift he's giving us to be able to have this type of access, you know, and talk yeah. about gratitude. Holy cow. 
it's it's a mere i couldn't believe like how he's able to do those without he's able, no script just like goes off his memory in the four hour one i heard you guys did a five hour one that's we did a five hour that, just yeah, we did four. Story. i told people when i came back because i didn't know i was kind of i went with some friends i didn't quite know i was getting myself into so we went when we woke up at 2 30 to get down there by 3 30 to get in the room by four whatever it was and the whole reason here's a little mindset thing I've told this story a few times, but the whole reason why I didn't do Joe Dispenza before, you know, with six, seven weeks ago, however long it's been, is because, I mean, I, I meditate almost every day, but it's a 20-minute transidental meditation. I've been doing it for a long time. It's served me very well, and I love it, you know. So I'm a meditator. Even with that said, I didn't go to Joe Dispenza because my friends and acquaintances that had gone had talked about these long ass hour plus meditations. And my mindset was, there's no way this girl can do an hour long meditation. I could do 30 minutes, maybe 45, but hour plus, no way. That's just not my cup of tea, you know? So that was my mindset. And so that mindset robbed me now, now, time means everything. I have no regrets. But to the point is that it kept me from going to Joe Dispenza sooner. And who knows, had I come across this work two years ago as opposed to six weeks ago, who knows what differences might have been made. But that mindset kept me from, from going to a Joe Dispenza. I believe that I couldn't do an hour plus meditation. So that was such the mental breakthrough for me. That was one of my own self-limiting beliefs where I just realized I'd created this whole self-limiting belief about mindset time. Like how stupid is that, right? But so kind of funny story though. So we get down there and again, I didn't know that there was going to be this long meditation. I just kind of show up and I do whatever is happening in the moment. And we get down there I was wondering, and I kept asking like, why are we waking up at 2.30 in the morning? I couldn't put my arms around it. So, you know, we get in the room and I think we start by four, four thirty. I remember what time it was. But then, you know, we wake up, he says, Come back to me, come back to me. You know, we get up off the floor, we get in our chairs and sitting there, and it must have been four to nine, I guess, whatever what it was. But I was I remember he said whatever I remember looking at my phone and the time I'm like four to five, five to six, six to seven, seventy eight, eight to nine. Like, holy shit, we were under for five hours, you know, because it seemed like I don't, I mean, I never had a moment where I'm like, where's this going to end type of thing. So it's just such that blow away moment of like, holy cow, here's this girl who thought she wouldn't be able to meditate more than 30 minutes. And I just meditated for five hours. And that was just that one day we did it again the next day and all the other hours. But, you know, again, I just tell that story of, of, what an like where where mindset limits us, you know? We have limitations all over. Yeah. I, I again, same thing. Like I remember thinking, well, there's no way I can do more than a half an hour. But I did and I I just had no expectations going in. But I remember the first day when he was like, you know, you're gonna wanna you're gonna hate me after the first half an hour and blah blah blah, push through. And the first couple meditations in the morning were the hardest for me because like I was like everything was coming at me like you can't do this i hate his voice why doesn't he shut up like it's like i'm hungry i need coffee it's like and then i remember being so happy when he's like without breaking your state lie down and i'd be like yes thank you thank you i'm in so much pain in my hips right now it was just so wild and each i think every time we overcome that within ourselves just like he says you're overcoming yourself every day 
it's like everybody is different for what part affected them. And that four hour one was, well, ours was four hours and 10 minutes. And, and I just remember your, it was like, it happened so quick, but there was challenges there too. I didn't have a pillow or a blanket and I was freezing and there's all the, all the stories. Right. But you're like, you just got to do it. And when you do it, it, there's a sense of accomplishment that you're like, wow, I really, that story just that isn't true. And now at home doing these hour and 20 meditations, it's like, it's no big deal. I know. It's like, it's, it's, it's like, like now it's so easy now. It's like, what? You know, that right? just, there's no way. That's just such a lesson, right? And for everyone listening, like that, that's just, we get so used to the story, the story that we tell ourselves and it's just not true. Yes, such bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm grateful for this conversation. Thank you so much, Christina, for coming pleasure. on. You're welcome. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Make sure to check out Christina, all her stuff. And she's doing great. I know you guys got value from that. I know I did. And we'll put all the resources in that we spoke about in the show notes so that you can go check it out. We can, we'll can we put all her information as well as Um, some of the information around Dr. Joe Dispenza and whatever else we talked about. So love you guys. I appreciate you as well. Like I said before, make sure you subscribe, whether you're watching this, subscribe on YouTube, you're listening to this, subscribe wherever you're listening to it. And we just love to hear reviews, tag us in social media, whatever you can do. Like I said, the show, We don't charge anything. We have no ads. And we just ask that you share this with people you care about or leave us a review. It really matters. It really helps. Much love, everybody. Catch you next time.